A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Game Table! Yes, we are back. Welcome to another episode of The Game Table. I am Seamus Byrne. This is a slight. Uh, deviation, a tangent. We are uh, this show is really focused on the idea of things that we play at the table, uh, and so it fits in a very kind of slight tangential way that we are talking about playing with transformers on today's episode. Uh, I am sure there are people who've come up with uh, tabletop combat rules. Uh, to play with their Transformers toys at, at one point or another. Uh, so I'm I'm claiming it's a fit, but it's also off the back of the fact that I was recently uh, sent a couple of uh, new generation Transformer toys to play with uh, by Hasbro, who distributes these. Uh, and yeah, while I've been debating and talking about them on social media, uh, bumped into a friend who happens to be uh, a super Transformers nerd. Uh, he is the host of the Australian Transformers Weekly podcast. Uh, you can find him also writing on Ozdroid, uh, as well as uh, all over Twitter, hanging around and doing cool things. Jason Murray, thank you for stopping by. Hey, it's good to be here. Um, so yeah, it, it was really kind of quite fun when I was just sort of going, I got sent these things and I'm having a play and my kids are getting involved and we're having a good time. Uh, and then I get this shout out from you going, I am so a Transformers guy. And, and I, I have to say as someone who, you know, I was, I, I'm not going to say I was ever a super nerd about Transformers, but I was a fan in the eighties. Um, I'm old enough to have very vivid, uh, memories of the early era of Transformers cartoons. Uh, then uh, as a uni student in the 90s, uh, myself and friends sat around watching Beast Wars era. Like, So I've got kind of all these touch points over the years. And it turns out we're in like this anniversary window um, for all things Transformers right now. So it seemed like just a really great excuse to catch up. Yeah, look, it's last week was the 35th anniversary of the first broadcast of uh, the first episode of Transformers, as we've now come to call it, Generation One. Uh, the the first episode of the cartoon went out in the states last week, 35 years ago. Uh, I can't really say last week today, but um, yeah, you know what I'm doing <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big anniversary. I mean, the only other franchise that I really sort of have a touch point for, like lasting this long as you know things like star trek and doctor who um it's there are there are there are several enduring franchises and sort of like star trek and like doctor who transformers likes to reinvent itself every few years as well like you talked about beast wars uh there's a there's a companion show with that beast machines that we sort of don't really like to talk about that much (laughs) um in fact i think i think when we were talking about this originally you said oh you know beast wars and then beast machines or or um, I, I recently met one of the creators behind Beast Machines and his uh, his resume at, at the convention that I went to, his resume was greeted with lots of applause and then a, 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 an awkward silence when they said Beast Machines. And he got, <laughs> up, he got up and he grabbed the microphone and he's like, yes, we know everyone wanted two more seasons of Beast Wars. It's okay. We can't do anything about it. <laughs> and yeah, particularly, yes, this far down the track, it's like we can't roll back the clock, everybody. We got what we got and now let's <laughs> let's enjoy what we can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I let's let's start at the big picture level because you know when all said and done it like it was a really special concept right like this whole idea of robots in disguise that we have these cool vehicles uh that transform into other things and therefore it made for both great toys and for really cool like and i Right, I guess it was right at that era where we were starting to have that whole idea of, um, uh, you know, a cartoon that could support a really good toy line, but it they came up with really cool stories and it was a really cool show and and comics as well. But for you, you know, why do you love Transformers? Like it, it, it's for me, it's about the characters and like like you said, they came up with the they came up with good stories and uh, I. I by today's standards, I think if, if we were to look back and look at some of the old cartoons from the 80s, we might not say that they're such good stories, but 
the characters that they came up with, the, the, the character beats, and there's certain things that happen that keep happening in every generation. And, um, as, as, as children, and Seamus, I think you and I are about the same age as, as kids, when we went and saw Transformers the movie and we saw Optimus Prime die. <laughs> I mean, there were tears shed. There were legitimate tears and there were that so was the many. Real deal. Oh yeah. But this thing, now they killed Prime in every version of the show because it's like, <laughs> oh, Prime has to die. And then like, you know, he'll come back as something else. There's, there are certain, they're almost just tropes of Transformers media that have to happen now. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, I like, the, I like the character beats. I like the personalities. I like, the, I like the voice acting as well, but there's also so much, there's also so much on the story side. And especially I, I'm a big comics fan in terms of, in terms of Transformers fandom. I don't read that many comics on a sort of regular monthly basis. I think like I, I read Saga, I read The Walking Dead and I read Transformers. Well, I don't read Walking Dead anymore. Um, and I read Transformers <laughs> and, IDW is the current publisher of Transformers comics and they've just rebooted the Transformers continuity. Uh, you could say for the 35th anniversary, but prior to their recent reboot, they told a story that spanned well, something, something in the vicinity of uh, 10 to 11 years of uh, published comics. And they had one of the best comics in the industry in uh, a title called More Than Meets the Eye, which then changed into Lost Light. And this was a story that completely threw out the Transformers formula. And it was almost like Red Dwarf uh, set with Transformers characters. It was funny. It was heartbreaking. It was endearing. There's just so many good things about it. And it's told a really great story about diversity and inclusiveness. And I recently, I, I said earlier, I went to a Transformers convention last month. It was called TF Nation and it was in the UK. Um, there was a, you, you you might you might go to a convention and think oh then you know it might be a bit of a bit of a, a an imbalance in the the gender split but TF Nation's attendance is pretty much straight down the middle fifty fifty uh, it is it is fantastic to see it's fantastic to see so many people getting out there and just professing their love of these characters be they boys girls men women everyone everyone just gets behind it and they love it and so. As much as I, as much as I guess I might say, it's the personalities and the the designs and the characters. It's also the community. Like I love being a part of this community, and it's it's a lot of fun, and I get to do some pretty cool things. That's really awesome, and it like it actually reminds me that a big part of even when I started this show it was um, getting back into D and D in sort of recent uh, times. That one of the biggest parts of that has actually been. Um, remembering how sort of positive the community is around this, that, you know, it's kind of different to just like video game communities in a generic sense, you know, to being this sort of niche that is about sort of, you know, just that awesome thing of actually getting together physically from time to time. And it, I mean, yeah, it sounds like that's kind of a, a cool part of these Transformers events for you as well. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, at, at TF Nation, there was also a bit of a bit of a crossover of people who were into D&D and into Transformers as well. And I mean, I, I think there's probably there's probably a lot of people there into several things, and so they, exactly, yeah, they, yeah. I think our interests overlap on a number of uh, a number of a number of things. Also, as far as uh, tabletop gaming goes, there is actually a Transformers collectible card game, and it is actually made by Wizards of the Coast. Oh, cool! So, is it like pure? Um... Uh, collectible, uh, like, you know, totally random stuff or not like one of these new living card game vibes? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure either because I'm mostly interested in it for the artwork and they actually use <laughs> artwork from most of the comics, uh, the the comic artists as well. But, oh, nice. Um, I've not actually gotten into the game myself because uh, I spend too much money buying Transformers already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and look it is it's always risky to start when it comes to any kind of a trading card game it's like i don't know what kind it is and that means an instant hundred bucks to even get started usually um so you probably made a really wise choice but i think you made a really <laughs> good point there about the whole personality side because i think that is definitely the thing that leaps out to me through the history is you're right like i don't like i remember really broad strokes of the story beats but it is mostly about sort of the characters that you meet along the way. And you're right, the voice acting that has been attached to a lot of them. Um, but I think, can you in general give us a quick sense of continuity and canon? Like not, don't try to you know catch us up on, <laughs> on the law as it stands, but more, you know, when we think of 
of comics and cartoons and dare I mention movies, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, how does this all sort of fit together? Has there been an effort to make it hang together over the years or is it that, you know, they just all sort of, you know, now and then it is that idea of not exactly reboot but just like going, hey, cool characters, so don't worry about it too much? I think um, so – Transformers generally runs, I mean, the cartoon was created to serve as a, a sales pitch for the toy line. So Transformers Media generally supports the toys that are currently available at any time. And what we're currently going through, they, Hasbro seems to have decided that trilogies are cool. And so they just <laughs> finished one last year called the Prime Wars Trilogy. They didn't really justify why they called it Prime Wars. It was really just three toy lines in one. Uh, and so they've started a new trilogy this year called War for Cybertron. And this means that the toys now, are the whatever continuity they have is currently set on Cybertron. They haven't come to Earth yet. Funnily enough, um, you've, you've, got, you've got Siege Hound in front of you. He transforms into a Jeep. Uh, yeah. like, it's like he's, he's a Cybertronian Jeep, whatever. Um, this is it's the kind of... That's a good point. Of, uh, so they haven't come to Earth yet, but he's a Jeep. He's a Jeep, um, yeah. <laughs> As, so this is the thing is that what you end up with is for every iteration of the franchise, there are beloved characters. And yeah. we love Hound. We know that Hound turns into a Jeep. And they've sort of made him a Cybertronian Jeep. And it's like if you if you turn your head and you blur your eyes slightly, it's like, sure, I can see that. I can understand that. Like yeah. it's it's harder to justify when you get to Mirage who turns into an F1 car and why is he on Cybertron? We don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, clearly they're all Earthophiles ever since yes. way back. Much, you know, Anglophile or whatever kind of a vibe here <laughs> on Earth. It's like they just, some of them have a longing to come here one day. <laughs> They've been watching from a distance. Yes. Um, as, far, as, as far as continuities go, uh, because the because the system, the franchise, uh, everything reboots officially in the toy lines every few years um right but and there has there has been an attempt to sort of create a, a transformers multiverse uh and say oh unicron is uh, un in fact hasbro did say this a couple of years ago they said the unicron in every transformers iteration is the same unicron he stretches across multiple universes and it's just like no one really cares <laughs> yeah, you're, it's, that's a good thing. It's like you you don't have to try that hard, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, like like we'll, we'll buy the toys. Like you you don't you don't need to sell us on why we need to buy the toys. Like we're we're totally there for the toys. Um, to me, it's it's almost like it's almost like this effort to write in every corner of um, particular popular universes. Like you see this you see this a lot with Star Trek, not so much with Star Wars, but a little bit. And it's like oh. You know, there's this thing that happened here, and we can write a massive plot that arc, a plot arc that moves that around here, and throw in about three or four contrivances, and suddenly that becomes this, and then that goes back in time and becomes that. And it's like no one cares. Like, we're, Look, we're and really I just give the toys. Yeah, I even found actually when a lot of fans got sort of really, um, you know, twisted up about how time travel worked in um, Avengers Endgame. Where oh, yeah. I was like, but why not just chill out and go for the ride and not worry too much? <laughs> well, so, <laughs> that's like, always been more of my vibe too. Let's talk about Avengers Endgame time travel for a minute, right? Like it's <laughs> it's on it's on the table. It's a tabletop gaming podcast. Let's go. Um, <laughs> the thing I thought was funny about Avengers time travel is they spent so long talking about how the rules of time travel and not what you really think they are, <laughs> and then they kind of were. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, there's not there's not really that much different about it than than what you'd expect. So yeah, sure, go for it, guys. Yeah, you know, it gives you and five right. minutes of exposition. And there was definitely a there was a moment there when um yeah the whole idea of needing to put everything back where they got it that was probably that was the bit where they did actually you know set up a slightly awkward contrivance that did mean. It, it was they you know they then created the opportunity to tie themselves in a knot that was difficult to get out of that's right <laughs> so yeah you're right it's like there was a whole don't worry too much but here's some extra rules to make it complicated <laughs> yeah uh, and look if there's been two steve rogers on earth the entire time can you imagine what happens when you walk into a store and look at the transformers shelves and you see multiple optimus primes well yeah you know, i mean clearly there's no problem at all now no, no, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so look, as far as far as continuities go, there. So there's four, maybe five, if you count Bot Bots uh, franchises of Transformers that are available right now 
at stores. You've got you've got your Cyberverse for you young kids. In fact, there's probably six. There's Rescue Bots for the really young kids. There's Cyberverse for the younger kids. There's what we call Generations, which is where the, the War for Cybertron Siege line comes in. There's mm-hmm. Uh, the, the generations line is sort of it's it's aimed at a bit of G one nostalgia, but with modern toy engineering, and I, I think that comes across in the figures. There's uh, the Studio Series line for the um, for the movie figures. There's also a Bumblebee line that's been out. I think it's dying off now, but there's also this great little thing called Bot Bots, and they are these super cute little things that turn into household items. They're not Autobots and they're not Decepticons and they just, they transform from like a cute television into a cute television with legs. And (laughs) in in a way, it's almost like the, uh, it's almost like the stuff from the 2007 movie where all of these things suddenly came to life and started trying to kill all the humans, except the bot bots are friendly. They're lovely. They, I, I, I've, I've got one in front of me that is literally a, is he's literally a packet of berries that turns into a robot and he's called Swoonberry. <laughs> Hasbro has had so much fun making bot bots and I, I, I love them. They've, they have, le- they have legitimately changed Transformers fandom forever. Uh, there is a bot bot that turns into a toilet paper roll and you have not seen Transformers <laughs> toy photos until you've seen a masterpiece Megatron with a triumphant sneer <laughs> on his face, holding a bot bot in toilet paper mode. <laughs> But you're it's right, a I love lot of fun. it. It's like it's such a good example of of pl- like messing around with confidence in in the thing that you have at your you know at your disposal. Like the, absolutely the idea that you know, well, maybe this will be embraced, maybe it won't, but like let's have some fun. Um, I always love that when companies are willing to just you know put these kind of stuff out there to a community and say, what do you think? Clearly, we're not, you know, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. We're just going to have some fun. Are you are you on for the ride or not? And I think, yeah, that's great. Even if some of that falls away, it's just, uh, yeah, I love when people are willing to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, look, they've they've actually, these so BotBots figures are about oh, probably like five centimeters tall. They're, they're made of like some fairly tough rubber. They've got cute faces on them. They've got three-step transformations, but you buy them in packs of five or six for $15, and they are the cutest thing ever. I, 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 I've got an orange that turns into a triceratops in front of me as well. Like <laughs> we, we can talk all we want about Autobots and Decepticons trying to kill off each other, but like my triceratops really wants some attention. <laughs> And that's brilliant. Uh, that's great. I had no idea. That's brilliant. Um, okay, so before we sort of dig specifically into the the um, the current state of the toy scene, um, I did just a couple more cartoon sort of related questions because, as I sort of mentioned earlier, I've dipped in and out over the years. Um, I know I was a fan of the early era, and you know, you mentioned it as well that when you do go back to try to watch, um, you know, the pacing just isn't the same as modern. Uh, you know, and it's even wrong to say kids' cartoons, right? Because in in a lot of ways, you know, even back then, it probably appealed to just nerds desperately seeking a cool sci-fi cartoon of any kind. Um, and so, but you know, today when we've got sort of all sorts of things that have that whole kids or grown-up nerds looking for cool fantasy and science fiction things, um, the pacing now is like so breakneck speed. It's crazy, now, isn't it? Going back is. Yeah, my kids kind of, you know, probably gave old Transformers 10 minutes before they were already just doing something else in the room because they were like, well, this isn't really going anywhere, is it? (laughs) It's like, I'm sorry. I remember it being, uh, you know, a lot more fun than this. If we give it another six (laughs) hours, it might be. (laughs) If you you watch the entire season and really get into it, like, and the kids are like, that's that's two hours. That's a time commitment I don't have. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's actually quite interesting. You say after about 10 minutes, they got bored and stopped doing, stopped watching and did something else because 10 minutes is actually how long Cyberverse episodes are. And so ah. <laughs> I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like whoever's, uh, I think it's Boulder Media who are owned by Hasbro, the, the guys who are making Cyberverse, I think they're well aware of uh, kids' attention spans these days. And yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's much brighter. It's, it's, you know, a, a lot more fun animation and maybe a little bit more over the top voice acting on uh, on something like Cyberverse, but it's just good enough to hold the kids' interest, I think. And I think there was even right, like, there's a whole different sort of cultural space that cartoons sit in now, where you know, back then I do really explicitly remember, you know, it was the 
you know, the breakfast cartoon type, you know, TV show window where you're getting ready for school, you've got the cartoon on. Um, and, and so you sort of, you know, you're kind of busy getting on with jobs in the morning anyway. And it meant that you, you're just catching the key moments of like, mm. you know, cause then something will happen all of a sudden, you know, and you're like, Oh, what, what's that? And you run around the corner to catch what's happening. Um, and then you're talking about it at school later in the day. And it's, you know, just with binge watching and streaming services and all the rest, it means, um, yeah, there's just a whole different relationship with cartoons now compared to back then. But it, it, it just seems like that idea that, yeah, back then having almost like, well, most mornings I'd be catching bits and pieces so that, as I say, I could not remember what happened over the course of a season, but but cool moments that took place <laughs> through the cartoon. That was something that, yeah, that'd be like the schoolyard discussion, you know, later on that day, if like Starscream did some cool thing or, you know, oh, like Soundwave <laughs> was in it again today. I haven't seen him in ages. That was awesome. <laughs> you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Look, I, I think, I think the way that media is produced and the way that it's consumed is, has really changed, especially like in the last five years or so with the rise of bingeable content. The thing is that we don't all watch the same thing. In, in the mornings anymore and i mean you can blame foxtel for that in a way because when there used to be just a few free-to-air broadcast channels yeah you know we'd all have like you know probably two or two or seven or whatever on in the mornings but now like we all do different things in the mornings and so it's more it is more a case of hey uh you know netflix is about to do a transformers series and so cool. it'll be a case of hey uh is it you know did you watch the Transformers series last night or not just did you watch the the episode Yeah um, exactly or like where are you up to that's so often that's the that's yeah. the first question now <laughs> I mean it's it's the same it's the same question for I mean I don't I don't want to say kids content content and adult content but I mean in general I find especially where video games are related kids don't like being treated as kids they want to play something that's more aimed at adults and then we we the adults just want to play just want to play kids games like give me give me a mario platformer anytime but <laughs> yeah the, the the kids will want to binge content just like they see their mum and dad doing and so if they if they binge a new series of voltron or they binge a new series of transformers so be it yeah um and so where do the where do the movies sit i we've mentioned them once or twice but what's what's the fandom think of of the michael bay era of movies uh officially the the movies sit in a box by the door waiting to be taken out um <laughs> that's that's a bit that's a little bit unfair look um like like any franchise that goes on for some time there are good years and there are bad years it's and good, i think good way to put it yeah <laughs> yeah I, look i i think it's fair to say that the movies really kept interest in transformers mainstream when perhaps mm. the shows didn't and the shows might have been more produced as uh, animations, whereas taking a, taking the movies into a live action space with big budget effects scenes and uh, real actors and Shia LaBeouf, um, <laughs> I, I, I think they I think they really they they moved Transformers from a space of oh I remember that to hey there's a new Transformers movie let's go see it regardless of whether it's any good or not and mostly they're not but there are things there are things that I like in them. Um, I'm saying um a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> yep. Look, so I mean, it's yeah, it's a like it's one of the things that jumps out at me is things like the weird Megatron type designs and things like where it kind of they're just like these, hunks of twisted metal. Yeah, like these hyper techno things where you're like, but it's not turning into a thing. Um, mm. like where does that sit? And have some of the I'm curious if there's any figures out there that have kind of gone down these weird, um, like I don't know if there's what's the what's the name for those styles of transformers, um, if there is one, where well, they so don't even do the kind of, and now we're pretending to be a disguised object on Earth. Yeah, and that's that's I think the big the big flaw with most of the uh, the as we call them Bayformers, right? Movies, especially. <laughs> okay, right. Especially the Decepticons, like they're not really very good disguises, but also Decepticons kind of have that uh, that thought about them that you know they don't really need to disguise; they're here to dominate. Whereas they're not trying the Autobots, to. yeah, right. The, the Autobots are going to be here to protect us, but they don't want to scare us, and so that's why they tend to blend in a little bit more. Um, that's a, a that, that's actually a it's a plot that's 
explored a lot in the comics as well. Uh, how yeah, cool. How Megatron and how the Decepticons actually go about conquering and subduing entire planets and star systems is uh, there, there's there's a, a group called the Phase Sixes, uh, which uh, they're who they're the they're the, the the cons that Megatron sends in during Phase Six of his plan when he just needs to level the place. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, a lot of this stuff is really it's really fleshed out more in, in the comics um, and, and it sort of does tend to cross continuities. The, the Michael Bay movies tended to borrow certain things from different iterations of the franchise. Um, there was, a, there was a, a fairly popular version of the cartoon a few years ago called Robots in Disguise that was mainly set in the, the Autobots base was in a junkyard. And when you watch Transformers The Last Night, you see, hey, uh, the... The main the main Autobot base is in fact in a junkyard, and the bots are all hanging out and goofing off in the junkyard. And it's like those scenes could have just been lifted straight out of the cartoon. <laughs> there yeah. is, of course, in the last night. There's the emergence of Unicron, who is the the big world devouring planet that was introduced in the 1986 movie, and he's turned up in practically every franchise since, just in different forms. Yeah, one of right. one of my favorite takes on the character is actually what they did in Transformers Prime, where Unicron is actually a part of Earth, which is actually something that they borrowed for the last night, but we're never going to see that continued because that movie bombed. <laughs> but in Transformers Prime, Unicron is a part of Earth, which means you can't just blow him up because you'll destroy Earth. So you have to actually deal with the fact that Unicron exists. That's Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And they, look, and yeah, I love when... Yeah, I, I love when sort of law gets crunchy like that, where you know there's trade offs, there's gray areas, there's all those kinds of things. Where it's like, you can't, yeah, you can't just say, "Well, let's blow it up." <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's so it's really it's cool. not going to work. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, awesome. And okay, so let's let's dig into the toys a little bit. So, mm-hmm. like uh, we mentioned, I've got a Siege Hound, um, the fabulous Jeep Autobot, and then I have the Optimus Prime uh, Studio Series uh, with a Bumblebee label on it. So it kind of is vaguely tied into the Bumblebee movie that was was that last year or the year before? Yeah, it's, it was. I'm uh, sure it's December on last year. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's on streaming things by now. Um, it is. Unless, it's, it's worth a look too. Yeah. Yeah. And look, hey, uh, you know, I think Haley Steinfeld's amazing as well. And, you know, I th- it's that nice thing where you see people like that involved and you go, they got to, yeah, there's like, like you say, there's real actors involved with this. That's really cool. Um, you know, so look, uh, yeah, I definitely want to check that one out. Um, but, yeah, I've you know I kind of I've I've played with these. Um, I've got you know kids who are kind of right in that slot where I was when you know the first time around with this stuff. Um, but yeah, these are definitely it's it's funny sort of seeing I guess how things have evolved where there's a lot more to the transform process with these things now um, compared to you know sort of just quickly flip it and. You know, there's probably like five or six moves back in the day and you've changed it from, particularly with, uh, so I have a sound wave. I have a Whirl, the helicopter guy. Oh, um, yeah. And, mm, yeah, uh, and uh, Whirl, Whirl's very popular. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, then, I mean, so is Soundwave. Yeah. And then I have like a, a Prowl and uh, this is a Prowl that no longer has a roof. Um, yeah. So he's a convertible prowl now. In fact, um, it, really? it is a, it is a, is a common problem with old prowl <laughs> figures. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. It wasn't just. I was usually really good at looking after my old toys, so it was like, how have I lost the roof? <laughs> Look, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story that comes from my time at TF Nation, as far as old Transformers goes. <laughs> yeah. uh, TF Nation is held at the Hilton Birmingham uh, every year. And it's often held, because it's a big venue, it's held opposite other conventions that are going on at the same time. For the last two years, it's been held opposite a salsa dancing convention. 
Now, this can make <laughs> some really amazing meetings in the bar. Um, cool. Last year, we had Stan Bush, who was wrote several songs yes. for the 86 movie. Oh, my God. Stan Bush came great. along and gave a concert. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I've got a selfie at the bar with Stan Bush. Like, not many oh, people can say that. That is awesome. <laughs> um, and so this year... It was a little bit, little bit more, a little bit more standoffish because the each of the groups was like, "Wait on, we know what you're into and what you do." And I was, at, I was at the bar, and there was this very, very well dressed man sitting at the bar. Like, I don't know, I don't know how they do it, but the salsa dancers they have their dance competitions, and they just go till like three or four a.m. It's amazing. <laughs> and so this, this is about two a.m. I'm very tired, and I'm lined up for a drink at the bar, and this guy's just gone. So you're here with the Transformers group, I'm like. Yep, yep, I am. It's like, do you come here every year? Yep, I do. Yep. And it's like, you know, I had some Transformers when I was young. Like, I'm, I'm sure you did. Uh, it's it great. So I, I really, really liked one of them. And it's, it's probably, it's probably the silliest thing by now. Like, you, you guys would probably hear this and, and laugh at it, but uh, he was this blue one that uh, turned into a cassette recorder. I don't know if you know what a cassette recorder is. I'm like, you're talking <laughs> about Soundwave. He's one of the most iconic Transformers ever. So, like, of course, everyone everyone's into Soundwave. Not only that, there was a new a new reissue of the classic '80s Soundwave toy just released. Uh, wow. a couple of months ago so I, I i vaguely pointed in the direction of the convention and said look there are people in that hall buying that same figure that you're so fond of <laughs> right this instant well not at that instant at 2 a.m but during <laughs> yeah. during trading hours oh <laughs> uh, that's brilliant i uh, yeah i think and and it's funny isn't it i mean the, i think yeah for a lot of people there's a lot of nostalgia attached to it purely just in that yeah hearkening back kind of a way for um a lot of this stuff. But yes, so um new toys, definitely mm. more complicated. Oh my sorry, my one weird little aside. Do they still hold competitions in like how quickly people can transform their transformers and stuff like that? So um we actually do in my um <laughs> that's awesome. So we, we have we have a we have a Facebook group that I, I'm, a, I'm an admin of called Transformers Collectors Club Australia. And at meetings and at conventions, we do what we call speed forming. Awesome. And in general, it's an old Optimus Prime toy. Sometimes we'll use a, an unofficial version because, like, we don't want to break it. Yeah, I was uh, it's say, an old Optimus Prime toy. <laughs> I was really worried. I'm like, but but speed running that might break it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, we're we're careful about this kind of thing. Uh, the current record for transforming Optimus Prime from uh, from truck into robot mode. Placing the correct fist on the correct hand, placing the gun oh. into the hand, launching roller out of the trailer. It's twenty three seconds. Wow, that that is really I, really impressive. I've come <laughs> close, but I can't do twenty three seconds. I do about thirty thirty five. Yeah, man. So yeah, yeah we, we people we can do finish that. Rubik's cubes faster than that. So you know, like that shows the complexity that is involved. Well, so I, I sat down with the uh, the new Optimus Prime masterpiece figure the other day. <laughs> I, I I I had to put it down and go to bed, and then I got it. I, I picked. I got. I got back to it in the morning and picked it up and finished transforming it. It's some of the transformations can be really involved, but also I think especially with the the, the figures that you buy at retail, which are, these are retail figures, it's kind of a case of muscle memory. Once you once you do it a couple of times, you sort of you, you don't have to look at the instructions anymore, which is kind of good because the instructions are not that great these days. But once you once you do it and you figure out what what bit flaps over there and what bit goes here, it, it does become second nature, and you and you do it. And you're like, oh, I don't know why that was actually that hard. Um, all I needed to do is flip that around and turn that there and put that bit there and I'll do it again on the other side, and I'm done. And look, this is this is my worry, right? Where I've kind of come to these things and what I feel like in one part, I'm like, is it just that I'm old now and my brain isn't as open as it once was to, you know, going with the flow and letting things happen? Um, because when I think back to how I used to transform things and then sort of doing these, that it, it is, it's like it, it felt really kind of slow and intricate and I was fighting with things and getting annoyed with it all too quickly and i'm like man this is this is like a crunchier toy than it used to be um but part of me does wonder if it's just that i'm like 
It's just that your your brain is now in that mode where it says like, oh, it's a new thing and it's hard to learn, so you shouldn't try. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I think I think there's an element of that to it, but I think there's also that we are now supposedly responsible adults. And so yes. I think when we pick something up and we try to convert it, we want to follow the instructions because otherwise we think we might break it. Yeah. And if we do break it, then that's a $50 toy that we've broken. And You're right. So, the dollar figure of the toy is hang, hovering over your head as you yeah. manipulate it in a way that when you're a kid, you're like, oh, whoops. <laughs> look, 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 that's a $50. So so the um, the Optimus Prime from Bumblebee, he's a Voyager class figure. So he's $50. I'm a little bit more careful transforming him than I am transforming a $4 bot bot. <laughs> yeah. But also the the engineering is, is not really there in the bot bots line either, but with the Transformers lines, the the mainline figures, it's like, well, this is actually a work of art. It's an it's an it's an engineering work of art, and I'm impressed by it. And so I don't want to break it. And if you if you're concerned about breaking things, then um, I will just point out that this is not the most expensive Optimus Prime figure that's out there. At the, moment. the most <laughs> expensive one is the new Masterpiece figure, who costs five hundred and eighty five dollars. That's that's some serious money. That it, it, it is, it is very, it is very serious money. Uh, he actually has a few quality control issues with him as well. So people, Ooh. people need to be very careful of his knees. Uh, it turns oh. out, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit unfortunate for, it's a bit unfortunate for figures that cost so much to have some issues. But it's also, like, I think, it's the reality of manufacturing is that sometimes things go a little bit wrong, and. It sounds like a good way to point out as well that if you're in Australia, consumer law would probably suggest you would be allowed to return that if you feel like it is not up to the standard that that kind of a price would indicate. Absolutely. On the other hand, yeah. it, that also means you, you're you not going to get a replacement because they're all like that. <laughs> uh, so it, yeah, so that, that is an issue it's like, as well. <laughs> yeah, then it's like, do you want your Optimus Prime or not? <laughs> well, so, so the again, the community sort of steps in and steps up here. I, I didn't really understand what the problem with the knee was, but someone published a really good video where he actually took it apart on camera and showed, oh, there's this piece here that's it's they've made it as a ratchet. They didn't really need to make it as a ratchet. They could have just glued this on. So that's what I'm going to do. And so he glues it back together. And through the magic of YouTube videos uh, where he paused it and let it set overnight and then picked it up the following morning, uh, hey, presto, the knee's fixed. But you shouldn't have to do that to a $585 figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you look, another good example, right, where, yeah, the, the community will actually, you know, solve for the issue where it is a case of going, I, but I really want it and it's annoying, but, yeah, how do I just make sure that it, it, it keeps working rather than fails on me horribly? Um, no, absolutely. Yeah, so he is he's absolutely the best Optimus Prime figure I've ever handled. Uh, the, the pictures look amazing. The photographs, the poses that you can get him to do, they're, they're just just brilliant. Um, if you, do you have those photos posted somewhere publicly? Because I've I seen do. them on I've, your uh, Facebook. Yeah, I've got a bunch of them on my Instagram, so like yeah, we can drop awesome. a link into the show notes. Yeah, because yeah, that yeah, they really are. There's some fun stuff, and and you're right. The posability is definitely something that looked really awesome um, with those models. See, it's not that's that's the good thing as well. That it's not just the masterpiece figures that get posability, like. And this is one of the big differences between the G1 figures and the newer figures now is that you can get, like, you can get Optimus Prime to pull off a really big hero pose. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the figures of his scale can actually do what we call the superhero landing, uh, which is, you know, the <laughs> nice. down on the knees and pounding the ground with the yep. fist. Awesome. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of the, it's the gold standard of articulation, but this is one of the things that the Optimus Prime figure in G1 couldn't do. Like he couldn't, he couldn't couldn't point his gun up properly he couldn't rotate his head he couldn't lean down to talk to the humans or anything like that and i i think we kind of forget how limiting some of the toys from the 80s really were yeah and then when we when we look at these figures here like they're they're designed for the people who remember those toys from the 80s to really be a bit of a bit of a nostalgic nostalgic you know kickstart to the heart and hey, this this is how we would build Optimus Prime if we were building it with 2019 technology, which we are. Yeah. And so, if if G1 came around today, like these are the figures, these are the figures that we would get and we are getting, and they've got 
elbows, they've got knees, they've got waist swivels. They've and the big thing that uh, the big thing that has made it into Transformers lines this year is ankle tilts. Uh, in in the yeah. past, if if you if you had like if you had to move the characters' legs apart, their feet would be on an angle. But now you can tilt their feet down so that they look a little bit a little bit more stable. Yeah, look, yeah, that's a really good point too. Yep. Um, so, um, we've kind of I think you vaguely mentioned it earlier, but just to clarify, the instructions that you get in the box. I've found them to be very difficult to read that I'm not, I'm not wrong. Like what, should I look up videos or, you know, can I find PDFs or something that makes this easier? A lot of people will tell you to look at YouTube videos. Um, I will echo that sentiment, but really you, you want to look at, you want to look at some of the big creators like uh, Optobotomus or PO because they're the ones who actually sort of take you through the transformation process. Sometimes, Sometimes people spend 15 minutes talking about a figure and just sort of rotating it on a stand in front of you. And then they go, let's check out the truck mode. And they pick it up and then they put it back down in truck mode. It's like, (laughs) you didn't show me the transformation at all. Um, I do find the instructions a little bit lacking. I find, especially with the retail ones, they're printed on recycled paper. And so the printing is just a little bit dark. And I think this is something that Hasbro's, going to get right over time. Uh, Hasbro has actually been making a lot of commitments to using uh, recyclable materials. Uh, they're, they're looking to eliminate plastic from a lot of their packaging, which is going to be very interesting when it comes to packaging up transformers in the next few years. But where where the instructions are printed on uh, glossy paper, I think they're fo- easier to follow, but the, the recycled paper is really quite difficult. Yeah, I- that is quite fundamental to the problem I was having was the the red and the black on a matte paper um, where sort of the highlighting is red, but, um, you know, on the, yeah, like some sort of, well, yeah, it's just like greys and reds um, don't make it all that easy to get the definitive line definite. Where you're like, exactly yeah. which bit is that bit that I'm meant to be twisting? Yeah, so that's good. Do, do you know what I'd really like to see them do? Uh, I, I've started getting into Lego in the last couple of weeks. And I, I literally the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, Lego's been around. Lego's been around for years, but like it's only now I've just started going. Like, hey, let me try Lego this Lego this thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been buying some of the architecture sets because I, yeah, I think they they're, are cool. they're quite nice. Uh, but Lego has an app, and all of their instruction manuals have QR codes, and so you can grab the app on your phone, hit the QR code, answer like the simplest of simple maths questions, and it'll give you a PDF of the instructions. So you can put that PDF on on your tablet and then you can zoom in and see all the detailed parts of it. I would love to see Hasbro do something like that. I I think it would be really good. I think it would also be maybe a a good way for them to eliminate printing instructions as well. Just make sure everyone has the app. Yeah, that's a really good point. And look, it is, I think, you know, there is that element, right, where, and like, I'm really pleased and excited to have been able to have you on the show to kind of talk through this stuff because it. Yeah, you know, the fact that my first reaction to having played with these was that feeling of going, oh, it feels like there's this barrier to me really enjoying it. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, get that perspective from someone like you to say, here's here's what's, you know, here's what the fans are really into now. Here's why these things are, you know, sort of fun in the modern environment and all this stuff is really great. But, yeah, creating more of those opportunities to make someone like me um, feel like that that barrier isn't there, and I I think you're right. That Lego style of app would be such a good way to be able to zoom in and out and really kind of clearly, you know, whether you know, um, sometimes you know you can get those sorts of things where it has maybe even a little animation attached to it to just you know instead of the weird arrow that tries to show you twist it this way, but you sort of look at it and go, I'm not sure if that means left that right way or the other to, way you know, yeah. yeah and like in a six axis environment which which direction is that arrow actually pointing <laughs> it's 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 the classic shopping center directions thing right if you see a sign on the roof that says toilets and it's got an up arrow <laughs> yes doesn't mean that they're in front of you or doesn't mean that they're behind you yeah or like the next level which yeah where yeah. where am i going <laughs> i'm already on the roof <laughs> yeah um okay so um what are some of the things that you, you know, if 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 I came to you having not gotten any yet and I was like, where should I start with both 
yeah, media and with um, messing around with some of the toys as they currently stand, um, what would you just what would you suggest to somebody? I think uh, look, partly it'll depend on your budget if you want to get into some things, but the I think a lot of the a lot of the siege figures are actually being really well received by fans at the moment. Uh, we we like the fact that you can swivel the waist. We like the fact that you get a bit of ankle articulation. And in actual fact, one of the things that I really, one of the things I just really like doing with the figures these days is just kind of making funny photos with them. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a really, a really good run making some funny photos. I've, I've put, I've put jets with all uh, rainbow colors dancing side by side, conga <laughs> lines. It, it is it is a bit of fun. Like I think as a grown up, you you might not uh, you might not pose them all and like have have bedroom battles, but it's always a little bit funny if you can sort of get a bit of a scene going, maybe make a bit of a comic yeah. in your head. And so I, I really enjoy doing that, doing that with the figures. I I think I tend to have a fairly a fairly sort of boring standard superhero pose for most of them. Like I'm looking at them all on my desk and like they've all got one foot in front of the other. They've got the fist raised sort of like a power thing. And I also, I'm right-handed. So the guns in my bots are all in their right hand. So <laughs> I think I need to actually start putting some guns in left hands and trying to vary some of my poses. A little. <laughs> um, I, I would suggest maybe, maybe start with some of the figures that you can buy at retail. There's, there are some, there are some really good ones and there's some that are not so good. Uh, I think from the Siege line, uh, there's an Optimus Prime and Megatron that are really quite good and they very much look like the cartoon characters that you remember from from the 80s and they've got sort of vaguely Cybertronian modes. There's a little there's a little bit of a problem with Megatron from the 80s in that he turns into a gun yeah. and toy guns are frowned upon these days. So generally Megatron turns into a tank. And right. if anyone asks, Megatron always turned into a tank and no, there was no gun. You, you, you're misremembering that. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, but what Hasbro's managed to do is make Megatron, give Megatron his iconic 80s cartoon sort of body style, but have him turn into a tank. And so like that's that's quite a feat for them. I think, I, yeah, I, I think really the designers deserve a bit of congratulations. Yeah, awesome. And now if... I guess in you know that classic way that people would often think of a discussion like this um, is is there anybody who might suddenly realize listening to this that they have um, a gold mine sitting in their attic slash basement slash uh, spare cupboard um, because they still happen to own an X uh, you know model that is now considered one of the great rare models of all time? Uh, yes, look, it's very possible. Um, Australia had a pretty good stock of Transformers in the 80s. We didn't necessarily get some of the rarer stuff or some of the, some of the, the more odd stuff, but we, we got the same mail-away options that uh, a lot of the American and Japanese con- consumers, customers got. Yeah, right. Cool. And so we... There, there, there's a there's a bunch of things. There's there's the transformers that you bought in the store, and then there's the transformers that you you mailed away for. And you get the same thing in modern lines as well. You also get the transformers that you buy in the store, and there's the transformers that you buy at conventions. Yeah, right. And I I I I tend to like collecting convention exclusive transformers, even if I don't go to the conventions. I I like my shelf to look a little bit different. But yeah, what what we often find is that people have sort of they've got boxes of their old transformers they've grown up they've moved out of home the the most common thing that we hear is that their parents gave them away and (laughs) once they get back into transformers as an adult they then go back home to their parents and go where did all my transformers go and the parents say oh we gave them away and an argument ensues yes there are some people in transformers fandom who never got out of transformers there are people who've Started trans started collecting transformers in the eighties and continue to this day. Uh, I I know a couple of them. There's a couple around Sydney, and if you're so if you're listening to this now, oh, I remember I remember these transformers. Like in general, as far as a, as far as maybe a, a pricing guide goes, if it's in a box, it's probably worth more than a loose figure. But depending on the loose figure, 
there are there are some really there are some really rare loose figures uh, that that are around. We tended to get a lot of the little guys towards the end of the generation one lines sort of around sort of I think eighty nine or ninety, and they they were called micro masters. A lot of people really like them a lot, but they're not really worth that much. They're not especially rare, and I, I think this is also this also goes in terms of in terms of rarity. It, it sort of it goes back to the Star Wars figures of the seventies. That level of rarity is never going to happen again because they now make millions of everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, it's it's not. Uh, that's why for the, for the rarity, you really need to sort of look at the more exclusive stuff. Um, there's a there's a, a Japanese offshoot of Takara, who's sort of the, the co custodian of Transformers, uh, and they're called E Hobby. And what E Hobby does is they generally take the toys that are being made at the time, and they give them a different paint job. And they call them a different character, and they become rare and quite sought after. And uh, E Hobby made a few, a few off-color repaints of some of the Generation One characters. And so, uh, I don't know if you remember Blitzwing. Here's the the purple jet that transformed into the into the the cream-colored tank, and also the robot. So he was a triple changer. And there's a version of Blitzwing that's in camo green, and he's 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 quite rare. He's quite well sought after. Uh, and so I, I, I've I've been collecting some e hobby figures as well. E hobbies are probably a little bit like little little bit less likely to be in your attic unless <laughs> yeah. you are really into into Transformers and imported some figures. Yeah, cool. Well, look, you know, good place to start for people knowing if if you've still got it in a box, then someone might be interested in doing it. And I'm sure if I'll. I'll uh, I'll make sure I put in a link to the uh, the group that you uh, help run as well, so that I'm sure then at least someone knows where they can start to ask questions again if they decide they're they're eager to get back into things too. Uh, I had one last question about the new things because in some of the instructions, and there just seems to be kind of there'll be like a throwaway picture of some other weird um, like transformer or something and i'm like what yeah why is it just making some weird reference to some other you know bizarre shape (laughs) or something and i'm like is there some kind of a thing where it's like oh and if you learn how to do you know there's a secret mode you can convert it into or some other weird thing going on um or am i just making things up because i'm wishing that there's some secret to it all Uh, i think so i think it's interesting Uh, there's a tendency amongst fans to do these things that they call fan modes. I don't really, I don't really buy into fan modes very much. I think it's just you, you've moved some things around and put them in a different place. <laughs> yeah, right. A, a lot of the characters now have what they call a base mode, and it's like they, it's as if they sort of transform into a battle station that other characters can then inhabit or walk around on and move guns around and use them. And so sometimes they're official base modes, and other times. There's sort of more of a maybe a, a fan base mode, um, right? <laughs> some of the bigger ones, the, the the some of the bigger ones are more likely to have a proper a proper base mode, right? And especially uh, the the toys from a couple of years ago, Titans Return, the whole line was centered around uh, sort of a revival of the '80s Headmasters gimmick, where you'd get a little a little bot that transforms into the head of the big bot. And that means that while the big bot would transform into a car, it would also transform into sort of a gun platform that the little one could man and sort of point the guns around uh, when he's in a battle. Right. And so okay. maybe that's maybe that's some of the things that you've seen as well. Yeah. I, I think partly as well that it, it leapt to my mind when there's sort of a mid-stage uh, when you're a converting hound where like he's kind of splayed out in these like really long spindly bits. And I'm like, is there some other thing going on here in the middle where it's like this is another thing now or um because it just seemed it, like it was almost like i've made a a snake that's broken in half <laughs> there, there is it's 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 called a feat of modern engineering <laughs> um, uh, unfortunately it does feel some of some of the transformers some of the current transformers in order to transform them, it does seem like you need to just splay them out. <laughs> it's all, it's if you were to if you were to film it in slow motion, it's almost like just the bot explodes and then reforms in its yeah. other form. <laughs> um, but you're I, right. I, it's I think, a great piece of engineering when you think of it exactly like that. That that it is still held together at that point, and then then you slowly piece it back together. Look, computers are amazing things, and it has actually come out. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix series, uh, The Toys That Made Us. Yeah, that they is great. showed 
yeah, oh, it, it is it is fantastic. Uh, they showed an episode uh, centered on Transformers, and at the end, they showed some early prototypes. They're made of wood. The, the early Transformers prototypes, they made them out of wood. Uh, uh, this is, this is like, obviously they're all designed on computers these days, which is why they're so much more complex and they're smaller parts. Because back in the eighties, they had to yeah. make the things of, out of wood. <laughs> it's just, it's just astonishing to think where we've come from in just 35 years. Yeah. And, and where we're going. Uh, if I, if I can just throw in one last mention. Yeah, please. In terms of, in terms of engineering, there's a crowdfund project for a, a a very large, very accurate version of Unicron from Transformers the movie from the 80s. Oh, wow. And Hasbro revealed this at San Diego Comic-Con. It is the most expensive official Transformer ever, 575 US dollars. Uh, we can actually pre-order it from some retailers here for $100 down and then the balance of $850 in a year <laughs> and a half's time. So he's he's massive. He's something like seventy two centimeters tall, and oh, wow. he does he transforms from planet to robot. He's he's a giant robot. So I, of course I have dutifully ordered one. <laughs> I literally do not know where it's going to where it's going to sit in my room. Like I think it's actually just going to have to sit on the floor in front of the wardrobe. <laughs> but that's pretty, like it really does seem like that a lot of the. The hallmarks of how kind of I guess Lego has evolved as well, right? To think about all the different tiers of what of what people want. Some people do just want little fun things to play with. You know, it sounds like that's where the bot bots sit as well, where you've just got yeah. fun stuff that's easy and you can mess around with it and it's got sort of real character to it. Then you get into sort of the different tiers of complexity um, and of, you know, accuracy of detailing and things like that. And then you just get those one or two completely crazy sets that you're like, yep, this isn't for everybody, but for the people who want it, they're going to love it. And that's Big, great. honking great, big, giant Transformers. Hasbro does a giant one every year. They call it a Titan class. Right. They've, they've also added a slightly smaller giant Transformer this year, Commander class. I think in general, like people like bigger toys now. Uh, we, we seem to be trending upwards in terms of how much we're willing to spend on toys and the size that we expect for them. And so you, you'll get a you'll get a Jetfire or a Commander class Jetfire for about one hundred and fifty dollars. The Titans generally go for somewhere around three hundred to three hundred and fifty dollars. And then you, masterpiece figures, which are the more collector grade ones, they sort of go between sort of a hundred, hundred and fifty up to five hundred and eighty five dollars, even more. And then you've got the Unicron. And he's he's the biggest and most expensive official transformer ever produced. Well, you know he is a world-eating boss, so he I is. Guess he's he also a wallet be... destroyer. <laughs> yeah, destroyer. Of, I am Unicron destroyer of wallets. <laughs> yeah. Look, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Please um, tell people where they can find your stuff when they're not listening to this show. <laughs> thank you very much for having me it has been has been great um you can find me personally on twitter at jm77 and i also host australian transformers weekly which is, doesn't always go out weekly but we are working on it we have actually just celebrated our 200th episode and Woo! so that was quite a lot of fun it was a, it was a good fun record on the weekend uh and now we get to start the next 200 so it's a it's a thing that a bunch of us get together. We give up our Friday nights and we have a bit of a bit of fun on the on the Zencast or in the Streamyard, and we don't know how many people we don't know how many people listen to our podcast, but we have fun doing it. Uh, it, it is the official podcast of Transformers Collectors Club Australia, which is a, a volunteer run fan group, and we're a Facebook group uh, with about four thousand Australian members in there. And if you are discovering that you have some Transformers that uh, in your attic that might be worth something. We also operate a service that's designed to connect your Transformers with people's wallets. Uh, and so we do have a buy-sell trade group. Oh, so great. if you are interested in maybe making a bit of money, if, you, if you've got something that you think might be might be worth selling off, uh, you can come and join us. You can talk to the admins if you're not sure what something might be worth, but also... Uh, sometimes you might have to do a little bit of little bit of research, and you know we can help you out with that too. Cool. So my my prowl that's missing a roof, I bet that's going to pay off my mortgage, right? Hey, eh? eh? uh, you might be able to get a roof for him, <laughs> but uh, um, is the mortgage on a dollhouse or a real house? Uh, uh, asking for a friend. Oh, okay. 
I'll um yeah I'll 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 temper temp, temper my expectations. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> yeah, like, thank you. Oh yeah. Oh, like unfortunately, sometimes they're just not worth what we think they might be. I know, right? Yeah, we, all, we always think that because we, you sort of think in your head, but it's been in there for thirty years. It must have gotten mm. more valuable. You're like sometimes <laughs> toys are just toys. <laughs> no, if you, like, if you want something to get more valuable over the years, you pretty much have to put bank money in a bank account. <laughs> yeah, it's a much more efficient way of doing it. <laughs> it is. Thanks again, Jason. I hope I'll catch you sometime soon. Thanks for having me and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.